darn mute button. <laughs> this is Thursday, October the 12th, and we are here on Fan for Racing Radio for our Las Vegas 2 NASCAR Weekend Preview and Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining me for today's show is our co-host for today, and that is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, you hadn't keyed me up yet, so I was saying darn headphones, but they worked so much better when I plugged them in, so I was having some issues of my own. <laughs> yeah, I I put it on mute uh, while I'm waiting, and then I forget to take it off when the show starts. But anyway, forgive me, and uh, we'll go ahead and move on here. Uh, today, we're going to start with, of course, the upcoming short track races and news, and then we're going to preview the ARCA West Series race at the Bullring in Las Vegas. Next, we'll update the NASCAR Truck Series. They're not racing this weekend. And then we'll preview the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We end the episode, of course, with our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with our Fan for Racing crew. And I haven't heard from Mike yet, but I believe Andy will be joining us today. Yeah, I think Mike had said he wouldn't be available. I know I didn't hear from him uh, today, but I thought he said on Monday that he didn't think he was going to be able to see to, uh, today, but we'll have oh. to wait and see. Okay, I misunderstood. I thought he said he would be there. Okay, so, well, I'm real um, glad that Andy can make it. All right, so let's get started with our short track news on the dirt side. Do you want to start with that, Jay, for October the 12th today, Thursday? All right, we've got a couple already on dirt, and that'll include the Extreme Outlaw Series from Port City Raceway, and that'll be at 7.15 on Dirt Vision. Over on Flow Racing, though, at 5.45, you can watch the Castro Flow Racing Night in America, That'll come to you from Tri-County Racetrack. And then the Short Track Super Series, that'll be at Port Royal Speedway at 6.15 on Flow Racing. Okay. Uh, we'll go ahead and move over to October the 13th. That's tomorrow night, or tomorrow during the day or night, uh, for dirt racing and short tracks. I'll do the dirt version if you want to do the – I'll do dirt vision and racing America. How about that uh, for All right. uh, this one? And you can do the ones from Flow Racing. Okay, starting with short tracks at 5.45 p.m. on Racing America is the Pro All-Star Series Oxford Plains Speedway. Uh, that's, again, at 4.45 Again, on Racing America is the Winchester 400. We've been waiting for this one day one. That starts at 7 p.m. over at Flow Racing as well. Then on Dirt Vision at 7.15, we've got a couple of races. Uh, the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series at 81 Speedway at 7.15, and the Extreme Outlaw Series at I-44 Riverside Speedway at 7.15. Both of those are on Dirt Vision. The activity starts on Flow Racing at 6 p.m. you got the Stemmer Memorial with the, at Lincoln Speedway. Uh, 6.15, Short Track Super Series. Again, that'll come to you from Port Royal Speedway. Then at 6.30, the 305 Nationals, and that comes from Bridgeport Speedway. 
an hour gap there before they got more coverage. 7.30 p.m., the MLRA Championship Weekend from Tri-City Speedway. At 8 p.m., it's the NARC Maury Williams Memorial, and that one comes from King's Speedway. Then at 8.30, weekly racing is going to be covered from New Tulsa Speedway this week. And then we have one with a TBD for time to be determined, the Oktoberfest, and that comes from Beatrice Speedway. Okay, let's move over to October 14th. That would be on Saturday uh, for the, uh, again, I'll do Dirt Vision here if you want to go with the Flow Racing event. All right. Okay, starting at 5.30 on Dirt Vision, we have the weekly racing at Millbridge Speedway. Then at 6 p.m., it is weekly racing at Volusia Speedway Park. 6.15, we've got the World of Outlaws Late Models at Sonoya Raceway. And then at 7.15, it's the weekly racing at Jacksonville Speedway. All of those are on Dirt Vision. Oh, one that I haven't uh, mentioned yet is at 7.15, the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series at Lakeside Speedway, also on Dirt Vision. Flow Racing picks up at 6.15. A lot of them are night number twos, the Short Track Super Series from Port Royal Speedway. And then at 6.30, the 305 Nationals from Bridgeport Speedway. 7.15, that one's a new one, the Weekly Racing. That'll be from Jacksonville Speedway. Then at 7.30, get back into night number two of a couple events, the MLRA Championship Weekend from Tri-City Speedway, and at 8 p.m., the NARC Maury Williams Memorial from King Speedway. But at 9 p.m., that one's a new one. It'll be the USAC CRA Sprints from Mojave Valley Raceway, and then also on Flow Racing with the time to be determined would be the continuation of Oktoberfest at Beatrice Speedway. Okay, moving over to short tracks. Uh, Let me see what we've got here. It looks like, okay, I guess I'll do Racing America, and you can do flow racing. (laughs) Okay, starting at 2 p.m., the past 400, day one, will be at Oxford Plains Speedway. Then at, uh, well, there's one more ahead of that. Uh, 1.30 p.m., Claremont Fall Classic Day 1 will be at Claremont Motorsports Park on Racing America. Again, Day 2 of the Winchester 400 at 5 p.m. at Winchester Speedway. And then one to be determined here. Oh, wait a second. 6.30 p.m., we've got the uh, Open Wheel Modified Twin 30s. That's at Citrus County Speedway. Uh, at 6.30 p.m. And then to be determined is the I-65 shootout at Highland Rim Motorplex. To be determined all on Racing America. Flow Racing offers a little bit of variety here for the night. At 6.05 p.m., the USAC Championship Saturday at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. You also got the Smart Modified Tour from South Boston Speedway. That'll be with the time to be determined. But at 7 p.m., and I don't even know what this is. I might have to check this one out. Day of Destruction (laughs) from Langley Speedway. That one just intrigues me. (laughs) And that's at 7 p.m. on Flow Racing. That's where you get to take out all of your uh, anxiety and (laughs) 
frustrations. I guess that's an open invitation there. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now we'll move over to October the 15th, Sunday races. And again, here, I guess I will do the Dirt Vision, and you can do the three racing Americas. Uh, on Dirt Vision, we have the World of Outlaws, again, the late models. They'll be at Rome Speedway at 6.15 p.m., and that will be televised on Dirt Vision. For the short tracks, we got three different ones at 12.45 p.m. on Racing America. We got the Pass 400 coming from Oxford Plain Speedway. And Sharon mentioned the ASA Stars National Tour Winchester 400. And that'll be from Winchester Speedway with a 2 p.m. start time on Racing America, as well as the Claremont Fall Classic Dates number two from Claremont Motorsports Park, also being covered at 2 p.m. there on Racing America. Yes, indeed. That's uh, pretty exciting. I want to mention, too, this is the weekend that the SRL is racing, uh, and that's for their 35th annual October Classic at Kern County Raceway this Sunday, October the 15th. And uh, just looking at the uh, schedule here, uh, the race day is uh, on Sunday. They'll have some other activities on Saturday. Uh, that's the practice day uh, out there at Kern County Raceway Park. Uh, but the race actually starts uh, at 2 p.m. on that day. They'll start with the Spears Prolate Model Series, the Sigma Performance Services 54, and the SRL Modified Series Visit Bakersfield 60, the Spears Southwest Tour Series Bulwark 10 Kate. October Classic 135. So all of that uh, starts at around 2 p.m., and it is going to be exciting to see what happens there. I've looked for the uh, entry list. I can't seem to find that. But um, I know Sal's been telling us how the championship has been determined already in those series. So uh, we're going to find out who's going to finish in second, third, and fourth place and uh, uh, check that out because it's all, they always put on a good show. Sometimes those races can actually be even more entertaining, as you mentioned, second, third, and back. Um, plus, then you got some guys that are just there to, to win, win the race, uh, you know, not even points racing anymore. So, can provide a different twist to a race when it, when you're in that situation. Exactly. Now, we've been talking about how you can watch the weekend of racing for the Winchester 400 weekend over at Racing America. Also, the races at Oxford Plain Speedway, that's going to be on Racing America. Uh, and a lot of exciting stuff there. But one thing, one other bit of news uh, that came out uh, is that the Postman is going to be on the Winchester 400 broadcast. So that's kind of exciting. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. I, I love seeing, I know he's normally involved in uh, sprint cars, but to see him at a uh, late model race is going to be interesting. And, of course, don't forget, you're going to be able to watch a whole bunch of racing over at Flow Racing. We've outlined some of those races, but if you want to know what 
all the races are, uh, head over to Flow Racing to check that out. They've got a lot of pre-race coverage as well as race coverage available there. And then at the short track scene, uh, there's some stories there on the Whelan, NASCAR Wheeland Modified Tour, Momentum Shifts, A Late Restart Slip by Justin Bonsignor, Gift Wrap Silks, Fifth Win of the Season, and Open Some uh, Breathtaking Moments. So uh, check that out because I'm sure there's a lot of excitement there. You also got the one with the Arca Midwest Tour as Summers survives to win the Oktoberfest 200 and pick up the Midwest Tour title. So you can uh, check out that article there as well, as well as several others uh, on down through the entire page. Yes, one of the storylines there is Nashville Fairgrounds extends the lease with Track Enterprises. So that's good news as well. Most certainly. Uh, I know we got some stuff coming when it comes to uh, the fairgrounds and Nashville uh, Super Speedway. Still in the works when it comes to the NASCAR level, but this is at least a starting point, if you will, and they have some racing going on there. All right. Uh, we're going to go on to the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, they're going to be racing in the Star Nursery 150 at the Las Vegas Bullring tomorrow night. Uh, my brother and I are on our way to see that race, so we're definitely looking forward to it. Uh, they will have um, the final practice will take place at 2 to 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. local time. Then they'll have the poll qualifying. The time session will be at 4.30 to 5.50 p.m. And then uh, the vehicles will be staged for the pre-race ceremonies at 5.20. Uh, autograph session will be 5.45 to 6.45. And then driver introductions will start at 6.50 p.m. The command to start engines at 7.05 with the race Green flag at 7.10 p.m. local time at the Bull Ring in Las Vegas. Uh, but let's move over to our pit box info there, Jay. And the West Series field is hoping to take that bull by the horns there in Las Vegas. It's the 12th time in Arkham Nard Series West history that this series will visit the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Speedway Friday night for the Star Nursery 150. As Sharon mentioned, it'll start at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time, and be covered on Flow Racing. Now, the series made that inaugural trip to the track in 1994 when it was called the Las Vegas Speedway Park. At that point, four-time NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion Ron Hornaday Jr. was the winner of that inaugural series event, with Ernie Cope claiming the 95 trip there. Now, a brief hiatus followed, but the West Series returned in 2001 for a three-year run at the Bullring that saw Mark Reed, Austin Cameron, and Jim Inglebright earn trips to Victory Lane. Greg Persley swept a pair of races at the track in 2011 and 12, and then the series didn't return again until 2020 when Sam Mayer raced his way to victory. Gracie Trotter in 2020, Taylor Gray in 2021, and 22 have won the subsequent visits by the West Series to the Bullring. 
Okay, now with only three races left in the ARCA West Series, Sean Hingarani is closing in on his first championship aboard the Venturini Motorsports number 15. He'll chase his fifth victory of the season Friday night at the Bull Ring, but a full field of entrants will be on hand to try and prevent him from earning yet another West Series victory. They include the series' most recent winner, Caden Honeycutt, who will be back in the number 17 for Cook Racing Technology. Uh, technologies, and Honeycutt, who took over the 17 from Landon Lutus at All-American Speedway in Roseville, California, will try to give Cook Racing Technologies a shot at the West Series owners with another victory on Friday. Now, several newer returning faces are also among those entered into Friday's event. They include Dylan Capello, a veteran asphalt modified racer from Arizona, currently works for Front Row Motorsports NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series team as a race engineer. He'll pilot the number 88 Ford for Mike Knocky. Then you also got Dustin Ash, a multi-time track champion at the Bullring, set to make his first West Series start since 2020. There's also Greg Potts, a competitor in the defunct NASCAR Southwest Series. He's going to make his West Series debut for Nascimento Motorsports. And California's Monty Tipton will also make his West Series debut in a car owned by Robbie Keneally, who will also be racing in his own number one machine. And Mariah Boudreaux, if I'm saying that correctly, is also slated to make her return to the West Series competition for the first time since 2021. And other notables that were covered on the entry list, Trevor Huddleston, brothers Tanner and Tyler Reif, uh, right there at home, Bradley Erickson, RJ Smotherman, Kyle Keller, and Eric Reed, among others. Okay, now we'll take a look at the complete entry list. Uh, let's see. I know there's an entry list here. (laughs) Okay. Here's the entry list for the bull ring. The Star Nursery 150 will start from the bottom up uh, with David Smith from Sydney, British Columbia. He'll be in the 05 uh, Shockwave Marine Suspension Seating Toyota for his own team. And Brandon Carlson will be on top of his pit box. Quick response, Garage Services is the sponsor that's going to be on the side of that Mike Naki owned and crew chief number 88 Ford. Again, the driver is Dylan Capello out of Parora, Arizona. Okay, and in the number 77, as we mentioned earlier, she hails from Colorado Springs, Colorado, Mariah Boudreau. Uh, she'll be driving the Performance P1 Motorsports and Jan's Towing Toyota for Joe Nava, and he'll be on top of the pit box for Mariah. On top of the pit box of the number 71 is going to be Dave Jackson, and that's for Nick Joannides, both driver and owner of that number 71 Jan's Towing Ford. Joannides comes out of Northridge, California. Out of Las Vegas, Nevada, is Kyle Keller behind the wheel of the number 70 Star Nursery Las Vegas Rentals and Battleborn Ford. Joe, Steve Bohannon 
is the owner, Brian Kaiser, is the crew chief on top of the pit box. Don't see many drivers come out of Utah, but out of Bonneville, Utah, is where the Eric Reed owned <laughs> and driven number 66 Chevrolet comes from. Coming up with tra- Champ Transportation, as a matter of fact, Will Harris riding along with them. All right. And Trevor Huddleston in the number 50, uh, he, he'll be driving the High Point Racing Race Car Factory Ford for his, his uh, family-owned team. Jeff Schrader will be on top of the pit box, and they hail from Algora Hills, California. And a team in the building process, so we don't have a crew chief listed, but the number 49, Robbie Keneally Ford, is going to be driven by Monty Kipton out of Mill Valley, California, with Tether Studios and Third Eye Motorsports on the side. Mike Holleran will be on top of the wood-owned number 38, driven by R.J. Smotherman from Pahrump, Nevada. He'll have Wolf. Stein construction on the side of his Chevrolet. We frequently talk about the Goulet number 31. Tim Goulet is listed from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but Rita Goulet going to be the crew chief this week on the backthelane.com Chevrolet. It'll be Tony Huffman on top of the pit box for the Bobby Hills, Hillis Jr., Machine, driven by Bobby Hillis, Jr., the number 27 from Phoenix, Arizona. He'll have First Impressions Press Camping World on the side of his Chevrolet. And Bradley Erickson also comes out of Phoenix, Arizona, and he'll be in the number 23 Joe Fare Toyota with LS Framing, SPS Spencer Clark Foundation as a sponsor, along with Chris Bray calling the shot. It'll be Mike Nascimento on top of the pit box for the Eric Nascimento machine, the number 21 driven by Greg Potts from Manteca, California. He'll have Rail Bar RJ's paint shop on the side of his Toyota. We talked a little bit about the number 17 Chevrolet. It's owned by Steve McGowan. Sean Samuels is the crew chief, but it, Caden Honeycutt going to be the driver again, coming from Willow Park, Texas, with MMI and Sunset Construction. He's the most recent ARCA West winner as well. It'll be John Camilleri on top of the pit box for Bill McAnally Racing's number 16, driven by Tanner Wright from Henderson, Nevada. He'll, of course, have Napa on the side of his Chevrolet. Mobile One is going to be on the side of the Toyota of the 15 Bill Venturini-owned machine. That'll be driven by your points leader, Sean Hinderani, out of Newport Beach, California, and he's always paired up with that Kevin Reed, Jr. Okay, and in the number 13, Sousa Toyota will be Tyler Rice from Henderson, Nevada. He'll have Central Coast Cabinets on the side of his Toyota and Michael Munoz on top of his pit box. Number seven, Jerry Pitts Toyota is going to be crew chief by Ron Norman, but the driver is not so normal or Norman. It's Takuma Koga out of Nagoya Hachi, <laughs> Japan, with Rise Up on the side of it. 
All right. Jerry Pitts will be on the top of the pit box for his race team this weekend. Dustin Ash will be behind the wheel of the number five. He hails from Las Vegas, Nevada, and he'll have Jerry Pitts racing on the side of his uh, Toyota this weekend. The number four is another Eric Nascimento Sr.-owned Chevrolet, but the driver is going to be Eric Nascimento Jr., along with Ty Joyner calling the shots for the Fidelity Capital Nascimento Motorsports. Nascimento comes out of Matika, California. And driving the, ta- driving the uh, Souza number three is Todd Souza from Aromas, California. He'll have Central Coast Cabinets CCR on the side of his Ford and Jason Dickinson on top of his pit box. And the last entry we got in the number one machine is another Robbie Keneally-owned and this time driven machine. Comes out of Madero, California. Got Charlie Wilson with him as the crew chief and has American Swim Academy Coveries as the sponsorship. That's the new sponsorship I've seen. It is. All right. Well, we've got two champions already determined on the ARCA platform. We've got William Sawalich from the ARCA East. We've got Jesse Love from the ARCA Menard Series. Who will be the champion in the ARCA West? Uh, Three more races to go and uh, a lot of racing to figure it out. But Sean Hungarani is hoping it's him. He's currently the leader. Well, and he was certainly a, a strong contender all throughout the year and in position to make a run at it. I know we had a little bit of an issue with um, Landon Lewis not racing in the last race, went from one point down to 30-some points back. But as we said earlier, Caden Honeycutt then in that number 17, the owner's championship as he ran that car last week, still in the hunt to battle it out for the owner's side. So, again, something to watch there. It's very important for those teams, I'll tell you that. Well, and if you look at the series point standings, Jay, we've got a tight battle. There's a tie for second. Uh, Third and fourth place is separated by just one point. And if you go back to fifth place, well, um, let's see, in sixth place, uh, they're not that far back. Do you want to go ahead and cover the uh, points? All right. We mentioned Sean Hingarani leading now by 37 points over Trevor Huddleston. Uh, again, had a rough weekend last weekend at the All-American, but going to be back at it for these final three races to see what he can do. And he's in a tie, whoa, he's in a tie with Tyler Reif at being 37 points back. Then you mentioned only five more points back to Bradley Erickson um, at minus 42. Landon Lewis still listed as fifth, as having missed one race, but will miss another one, is at minus 43. And then you got Tanner Reif, at minus 51. Now that's only another eight points back. Then you got a little bit of a gap there to Todd Souza, uh, Nascimento, Kyle Keller, and Takuma Koga as they round out the top 10. But all of those drivers entered into this weekend. So again, that'll shuffle up just a little bit. And we got 20, I believe I counted 22 entries here for this West Series race. Yep, this could, this could really shake things up. The bull ring is. Uh notorious for being a race that uh, uh, can uh, shake things up. So we'll see what happens this, uh, to, well, tomorrow night uh, out at the Bull Ring in Las Vegas. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that race in person. 
Well, I'm going to see if I can test your memory a little bit, Sharon, before we move on. Was it Haley Deegan, did she win an Arkham Menard Series race there or a West Series? We didn't have her listed on the West Series. I thought that's where she picked up her victory. Uh, she, uh, I want to say it was, that's a good question because I think the Arkham Menard Series did go out there for one race. Uh, but I would think that it would be the Arca West that she had that win. And it was at the bull run. That's a, that's what I thought. I, she wasn't listed. I'll have to see if I can do, uh, find something on that. Yeah, check that out. Uh, but we are going to go ahead and move on, Jay. Uh, the, as I mentioned earlier, the Truck Series is not racing this weekend. Their next race is going to be next weekend at Homestead, Miami for the Baptist Health 200. Uh, that'll be at 12 p.m. ET on Saturday. October the 21st. So uh, we'll give you more details on that when we preview next week. But we do have a few notes here, and we've got plenty of time to cover everything today. So uh, we can do go ahead and talk about uh, what we have here in the truck series. All right. Let me get, scroll down to where the truck series note starts here. You want me to go ahead and start? Uh, yeah, if you want. I don't know why it won't scroll down. Okay. Uh, there's three Craftsman Truck Series competitors hoping to compete at Las Vegas. So even though they're off this weekend, they're going to be competing. Uh, fans will be able to catch those three drivers attempting to compete in the Xfinity and the Cup Series at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Daniel Dye, he's going to pilot the number 44 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet along with Roger Carruth getting behind the wheel of the number 45 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet on Saturday during the Alsco Uniforms 302. Craftsman Truck Series playoff contender Carson Hosevar is going to get back behind the wheel of the number 42 Legacy Motor Club Chevrolet on Sunday, and that will be during the South Point 400. It was also announced this week that Carson Hosevar is replacing Ty Dillon next season in the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet. He'll be running the full-time schedule in the NASCAR Cup Series. So Josevar has made six Cup Series starts to date. He's putting up an average finish of 22.5. We've seen a few drivers do this, but this is uh, one of a few that's jumping right from the Truck Series into the Cup Series. Yeah, definitely going to be a lot of eyes on him next year, as there already have been this year, which is why he got the opportunity. So we'll see how he performs and finishes out the season, I believe, this year in the Legacy Motor Club uh, machine. I know it's been a little while since we've gotten to talk, talk about the truck series, but the playoff bubble shuffle includes Enfinger, Rhodes, Majeski, and Smith as they are outside that championship four cut line. Following the round of eight opener at Bristol Motor Speedway, Corey Heim was the first to punch his ticket to the championship four round at Phoenix Raceway. Now with just one left remaining in the round of eight, the competitors are starting to feel that heat, especially with the cut line sitting tight heading into Homestead Miami Speedway. As the round of eight 
finale looms closer. The driver sitting below the cut line, I mentioned Grant Enfinger, Ben Rhodes, Ty Majeski, and Zane Smith. Jay, we can go with other one here. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'll go go from the bottom up here. I got you. Okay. Uh, Okay. Ben Rhodes uh, kind of scraped his way into the round of eight by just five points. He's the 2021 Craftsman Truck Series champion, and now he heads to Homestead rank sixth in the playoff standings. He's five points from the fourth and final spot in the championship round. And in six starts at Homestead, the Louisville, Kentucky native has an average finish of 14.2. Last year, the driver of the number 99, Thor Sport Racing Ford, managed a sixth-place finish at the 1.5-mile oval. Unfortunately, this 26-year-old driver hasn't been off to the best start so far. He finished 16th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park another 16th place at Milwaukee, a 25th place at Kansas, and then he rebounded with a 6th place finish, I'm sorry, 7th place finish at Bristol and a 2nd at Talladega. Like his competitors, he's going to need to maximize these next three stages if he wants to any chance at all to compete in the, for the title at Phoenix. This is going to be an elimination race, Jay. It is. So it's going to be an intense one. And talked about a tight cut line. A driver of the number 23 GMS Racing Chevrolet, Grant Enfinger, is only three points back from that final transfer position. This is the first time, his first time below the cut line since the playoffs began. The Fairhope, Alabama native has done recently well in the postseason. He finished 12th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. First at the Milwaukee Mile, 17th at Kansas Speedway, but then third at Bristol Speedway, and now 13th coming into Talladega. Now, although the 38-year-old has never secured a victory at Homestead, he has secured the pole position and a second-place finish before. So that's going to be tight. It's going to be very tight. It's uh, These guys are all going to be looking for wins. Ty Majeski completely dominated the round of uh, eight last year. He won both at Bristol and at Homestead. He bested Zane Smith in both both of those races. The Seymour, Wisconsin native is currently 19 points back from the final transfer spot. And although the deficit is significant, Majeski and the 98th Thorsport Racing Ford team, they're going to need to maximize those next three stages the same as uh, Rhodes if they want to compete for the title again. Now, the 29-year-old burst into the playoffs with momentum after leading 168 laps at Richmond in the regular season finale, and he ended up finishing in second. Majeski completely dominated the field again at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, taking the checkered flag after leading 179 of 200 laps. After Indianapolis, the 98 team lost some steam. He finished 7th at Milwaukee, 18th at Kansas, 19th at Bristol, and now 21st at Talladega. Oh, that hurts. It does. He was actually one of my favorites, and now that you mentioned, he's kind of in that position of uh, has to work his way in. But so does Zane Smith. 
His driver, the number 38 Front Row Motorsport Chevrolet, has gone on to the title round the last three years. Last season, the reigning Craftsman Truck Series champion advanced to the championship four round by scoring two runner-up finishes in the round of eight, in addition to a 17th place finish at Talladega Super Speedway. Now, Smith has experienced both the highs and lows this postseason, finished fifth at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, 12th at the Milwaukee Mile, 5th at Kansas, and 24th at Bristol Motor Speedway, though. And Talladega, unfortunately, did not pan out well uh, for Smith as well, spending nearly half of Saturday's race sitting idle in the garage for a slipping clutch uh, while the field whisked by. Now, though the 24-year-old could conceivably advance on based on points, as realistically, Smith is facing a must-win situation. He sits 36 points back from the final transfer spot, currently being held by rookie Nick Sanchez. Okay. Do you want to cover um, the highs and lows here for the contenders? Like the average finishing position? Okay. I got you. I see the chart now. Um, Well, let me make sure I'm looking at the same one you're looking at. Playoff contenders, I got career performances at Homestead. I don't know where you're mm-hmm. seeing highs and lows of the Oh, that's what well, you're talking about. Yeah, okay. that's what I'm talking about, the career okay. performances. Uh, there we go. Uh, looking at Homestead, Miami, um, look at the top one right now. Corey Heim only has one race, but it is, it is a top five, obviously a top ten, average finish of 5.0. Carson Hosevar, another one with only one start, average finish 12.0. And Christian Eckes has three starts, one of them being the top five, all three of them being top tens, though, for an average finish of 6.0. Nick Sinchez mentioned he's a rookie. Uh, shows a win, but it's not. that's not right. He should have zeros across the board. He has no starts. Uh, Grant right. Enfinger, one of the drivers with six starts, does have one pole as well as one top five, half of them being top tens, so three, and an average finish of 11.8. Ben Rhodes is the other one with six starts, uh, two of them being top tens, his average finish 14.2. And you got Ty Majeski, only two starts, but one of them is a win. And that counts for a top five. And then the other one, a top ten, is average finish, 5.5. And then Zane Smith. I mentioned uh, his Miami stats, not the best. Two starts, one of them being the top five. But unfortunately, the other one was a DNF, putting his average finish at 19.5. So quite the range there. It goes from 5.0 to 19.5. You've got to be on that higher end on this one. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. We'll take a look at the clinch scenarios. It's make it or break it for the race title with a win at Talladega by non-playoff driver Brett Moffitt. There's only one driver that has secured their spot into the championship four round for Phoenix. Corey Heim, uh, who earned his spot with that win at Bristol, and uh, the seven other drivers will have to give it all, everything they've got for a chance to move on into that championship four round. So let's uh, look at the scenarios. Now, if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the next round, uh, 
these drivers can win by being ahead of the fourth winless driver in the standings. The same would hold true if the win comes from among uh, three drivers, Josefar, Eckes, and Sanchez. Josefar, of course, needs 33 points. Christian Eckes needs 46 points, but if Sanchez wins, he's going to need 47 points. Nick Sanchez needs 53 points. Grant Dinfinger, 55 points, but if Sanchez wins, he's going to need some more help than that. Uh, the other three drivers, Rhodes, Majeski, and Zane Smith, they can only clinch with some help, meaning somebody has to have a bad day or they need to have a really good day. If there's a new winner from Grant Infinger or another driver, uh, winless and lower in the standings, but still eligible to advance to the next round, uh, they need to, they can clinch by being ahead of the third winless driver in the standings. Uh, that would be Carson Hosefar for, for, he needs 36 points. Ackes needs 49. The remaining five drivers, can only clinch with help, and that's Nick Sanchez, Grant Dinfinger, Ben Rhodes, Ty Majeski, and Zane Smith. Now, all of these drivers, uh, the remaining eight drivers that are in the playoffs, uh, can clinch if they are able to win. So that, of course, is Hosfar, Eckes, Sanchez, Infinger, Rhodes, Majeski, and Zane Smith. Well, and that's how it goes. You help yourself by winning. <laughs> Don't depend on others. Now, when we do you want me to the... do the playoff <laughs> outlook and then you do that final section, or how do you want to do this? Okay, that'll work if you want to do that first. Okay. Uh, so the four drivers, as we've outlined here, are that are below the cut line are Grant Infinger, Ben Rhodes, and Ty Majeski. Uh, they range from Grant Infinger at negative three points to Zane Smith, negative 36 points. The four drivers above that cut line, uh, starting with Nick Sanchez, he's right on the cut line above by just three points. Christian Ecke is above by just nine points. Carson Hosefar, he has 23 points to the good. The only driver that's really safe here is Corey Heim because he has that win at Bristol. So that uh, tells you just how important this race at Homestead Miami is. It certainly is. And you mentioned it being that final race going into setting the final four as they ready for that round of eight finale at South Florida. The Craftsman Truck Series competition have that one more week, though, to prepare and go over strategy before we get to Homestead Miami Speedway. That'll be for the Baptist Health 200 Round of Eight finale on Saturday, October 21st. Homestead Miami Speedway was built as a key part of plans to help the city of Homestead rebound after devastation caused by Hurricane Andrew. Groundbreaking began back in August of August 24th of 1993 exactly one year after the hurricane. And the track soon opened, though, in November 1995, and the 650-acre field or facility is active more than 280 days per year and features both the 1.5-mile oval as well as a 2.21-mile road course. And the 1.5-mile oval has hosted 26 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series races since its inaugural event, that was on March 17, 1996, 
a race that was won by Dave Resendiz, uh, piloting the number seven Jeffrey Bodine Motorsports Ford. Now, notably, there's been 23 different race winners. Kyle Busch leads the series with wins with three at the track, while playoff driver Ty Majeski is the most re- recent winner in 2022. Now, that bodes well for Majeski. Mm-hmm. The 2023 season marks the second time that the Speedway has hosted this round of eight finale in the playoffs, uh, having done so in 2022 as well as 23 now. The track was home to the championship race from 2016 to 2019 and then landed a spot on the regular season schedule for the 2020 and 21 seasons. Now, only one race during this round of eight finale has been won by a non-playoff driver, and that was Daniel Suarez back in 2016. Look at some other... uh, Finishes there in 2017, it was Johnny Sauter. And again, that was at race number 22 for them. In 2018, it was Brett Moffitt, Stewart. Oh, this is, I'm, I'm sorry, let me back this up. The round of eight finale race winners. Um, in 2016, the race was race number 22 was at Phoenix Raceway, as it was mm-hmm. in Johnny Sauter and Brett Moffitt picked up their victories, as well as 2019 when it was Stuart Friesen. In 2020, it was Martinsville race, and it was won by Grant Enfinger. In 2021, it was Martinsville as well, but it was race number 21, and the winner was Zane Smith. And then last year, as I mentioned, Ty Jeske doing so here at Homestead, Miami. Now, the previous round of eight finale winners our current championship for hopefuls, that includes Grant Enfinger, Zane Smith, and Ty Majeski, as they all look for that one goal in South Florida, win and we're in. Now, again, practice and qualifying, that'll come up on Friday, October 20th, and we'll highlight that a little more next week as we get within the one week. All right. Uh, we'll now move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, John, can you get that? I'm sorry, we're still in the hotel here, and that's why I'm doing the radio show, and we've got housekeeping at the door. So I apologize for that interruption. Okay, the NASCAR Xfinity Series ASCO Uniforms 302 will be at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Saturday, October the 14th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Television for uh, pre-race coverage is at USA starting at 3 p.m. and then also on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. The distance is 301.5 miles over 201 laps. The first two stages are 45 laps each with stage one inning on lap 45, stage two on lap 90, and then the final stage will end on the last lap, lap 201. First bit of news we got for the Xfinity Series is Ryan Reed returning at Las Vegas. If you don't remember the name Ryan Reed, he's won twice in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Daytona. He'll be returning to the series this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Reed will be piloting the number 66 Chevrolet with Alpha Prime Racing, in partnership with MBM Motorsports. It's the first start since 2018 season. Reed has made starts in all three of NASCAR's national series, 
but ran full-time seasons in the Xfinity Series from 2014 to 2018 with RFK Racing, making 171 starts and posted the two wins coming in 2015 and 17, as well as seven top fives and 27 top tens. All right. I certainly do remember Ryan Reed, and uh, I'm glad to see that he's back on the track. Now, Haley Deegan uh, made an announcement this week as well. She's going to be competing full-time in the Xfinity Series next season. Uh, Right now, she's the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series regular, and she'll be moving up to the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving the number 15 Ford for AM Racing. She's currently wrapping up her third full-time season in the Truck Series, and in her 67 starts, she has posted five top tens. Deegan is one of 24 different females that, uh, let's see, Deegan is one of 24 different female competitors to race in the Xfinity Series all time. She has one Xfinity Series start under her belt, which came last season, and that was at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, where she started 20th and finished 13th. That set a new record for her best finish by a female in their Xfinity Series debut, surpassing the previous record that was held by Shauna Robinson, who had a 15th place finish at Rougemont. And just to add what I was able to find here uh, while we, since we last talked about it, she does have yeah. three wins um, in the West Series. I know one of them, her first win was at uh, Meridian, and then the last one at Colorado. I could not find where that third one was. I really thought it was at the Bullring, but I might be mistaken. And I really thought it was too. So that's kind of surprising. Okay. Now, when Our, we look at the gr- yeah. great – Eight, and that's gambling into the peninsula round of the playoffs. The competition just tightened up for the race to the championship as four drivers were eliminated last weekend. Daniel Hemrick, Parker Kligerman, Josh Berry, and Jeb Burton, leaving eight drivers in the hunt. And these eight drivers are going to be John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Hill, Justin Allgaier, Sam Bear, Cole Custer, Chandler Smith, Sheldon Creed, and Sammy Smith as they now head to Las Vegas Motor Speedway where fans will be sure to be on edge of their seats as six of these eight playoff contenders finished in the top ten when the series ran at the track earlier this season. Let's take a quick look at how they performed at the 1.5-mile track. And I'm going to go to the bottom, Sharon. You want to go two by two here? Yeah, let's do that. All right. I'll start with Sammy Smith, and he's in the final playoff spot as a rookie. He's made one start at Las Vegas Motor Speedway where he finished in 17th. And then Sheldon Creed. He's taken up the seventh spot in the standings. Creed has made three starts at the Las Vegas track, posting two top ten finishes. He's led five laps and finished in the ninth earlier this season. Okay, moving up the list here is Chandler Smith. He's one of two rookies in playoff contentions. He's only made one start at Las Vegas and has made an impre- and he made an impressive debut. He won the pole and then led 118 of 200 laps and ultimately finished the race in third place. Then there's Cole Custer. He's currently fifth in the playoff standings and Custer's made six starts 
at Las Vegas. He's posted two top fives and four top tens in those starts, and he's led a total of 54 laps and finished 12th earlier this season. And Sam Mayer is the one riding momentum coming off the win at the Charlotte Road Course. And he heads to Sin City with that momentum, made him four starts at the track, posting two top ten finishes and having led 26 laps. He finished seventh when the series was last year in March. His teammate Justin Algar currently sitting in the third in the playoff standings. Justin is the most experienced driver in the field with 18 starts, 10 of them being top fives, 15 top tens, and a total of 277 laps led. Now, although he has yet to land himself in victory lane at Las Vegas, he's come extremely close, finishing runner-up four times, most recently back in March. Okay, now we've got the top two drivers, starting with Austin Hill in second. He heads into the weekend as one of the two previous Las Vegas Motor Speedway winners entered in this race. He made four starts, posting one win in 23, that's earlier this year, (laughs) and one top five, two top tens, and 34 laps led. John Hunter Nemechek currently leads the playoff standings. He heads to Las Vegas with five starts. That includes one top five, three top tens, and 45 laps led. He finished sixth at the track earlier this season. Moving up to... Okay. Go ahead. Rolling the dice. You Go go ahead. Roll the dice, Sharon. See what you come up with. (laughs) Well... When we roll the dice at Las Vegas Floater Speedway, we find the NASCAR Xfinity Series wrapped up in the round of 12 last weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway's road course. So now it's time for the round of eight. So which will kick off? uh, That starts this Saturday, October the 14th, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway with the ALSCO Uniforms 302. The 1.5-mile Las Vegas track has hosted 32 Xfinity Series races, giving us 23 different race winners and 19 different pole winners. Six races have been won from the pole or the first starting spot. Most recently, that was done by Chase Briscoe in 2020. Junior motorsports driver Justin Algauer, who is a round of eight contender, he got pretty lucky at Las Vegas having posted the most top fives at 10, top 10s at 15, and lead lap finishes at 16, laps completed, 3,529. Two previous winners were entered in this weekend's ALSCO Uniforms 302. Josh Berry, he snagged his wins in 21 and 22, and Austin Hill, who is the track's most recent winner earlier this year. If Hill wins again this weekend, not only will he clinch his spot into the championship four for the first time in his career, but he'll also become just the second driver in Las Vegas Speedway uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway Xfinity Series history to post back-to-back wins. The first and only driver to accomplish that feat is Chase Briscoe with his 2020 sweep. Although only two previous Las Vegas winners are entered in the race this weekend. There is another driver who might be the one to keep an eye on, and that, of course, is 
John Hunter Nemechek. Not only has the 26-year-old driver had a standout year so far this year with seven wins, 15 top fives, and 22 top tens, he's no stranger to winning the first race in the round of eight. In 2018, when it was at Kansas, and 21, when it was at Texas. Although he's not in playoff contention, he won the, although he was not in playoff contention, he won the first races in the round of eight, the 30th race of the season, and the fourth of the Xfinity Series playoffs. <clears throat> Kyle, all of these are race number 30 wins starting in 2016. Uh, they're all October wins. Uh, and these first five are going to be at Kansas. It was Kyle Busch in 16, Christopher Bell in 17, John Hunter Nemechek in 18, and Brandon Jones in 19, Chase Briscoe the most recent in 2020. Then at Texas, the 30th race, it was John Hunter Nemechek and Josh Berry at Las Vegas for that 30th race in 2022. This season marks the second time that Las Vegas will host the first race in the round of eight for the Xfinity Series. Since the inception of the playoffs in the Xfinity Series in 2016, Las Vegas has occupied two spots in the postseason schedule. From 16 to 19, uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway was not included in the schedule, playoff schedule, and in 20 and 21 seasons, the track moved to the first race in the postseason. Chase Briscoe won that race in 2020 and Josh Berry in 21. Then Las Vegas was moved to the fourth race in the playoffs starting just last season. The Xfinity Series will kick off the weekend with practice on Friday, October the 13th at 7.05 p.m., followed by qualifying at 7.35 p.m., on the USA Network. But we've got, uh, we need to talk about Sam Mayer before we leave the Xfinity Series day. Well, that's a part of the story on how we got here. And yeah, I was just thinking about it, something he said of what could be more memorable than even getting your first win. And he may have done that. As Junior Motorsports, Sam Mayer kept his playoff run alive as it appears there's a new road course ringer in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Then Sam Mayer drives for Junior Motorsports. The 20-year-old driver had a dominant performance on the Charlotte Motor Speedway road course, leading 50 of the 67 laps and snagging the win by .909 seconds over runner-up Cole Custer. Now, more importantly, though, Mayer was in a must-win situation heading into that round of 12 cutoff race at the Charlotte Roval, and it's not a huge surprise to fans that he was able to pull off the victory. The Franklin, Wisconsin native had had a standout year, seeing his first Xfinity Series career win that came at Road America, and then he followed it up at Watkins Glen and now picked up this win at the Charlotte Roval. So all three have been on the road course, and he jokingly said he might be Almendinger 2.0. <laughs> Now, Mayer heads to Las Vegas Speedway to kick off the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs round of eight, which is his second time making it to the second round of the playoffs. In four Xfinity Series career starts at Las Vegas, Mayer has put up two of them in the top ten. 
So he'll be one to watch, and, you know, just to, to see that emotion. We talked about Almond Nigger's emotion. Uh, Sam Mayer was quite emotional. Like I said, he compared it to even uh, being more important than his first win as this moved him into the, into the next round of the playoffs. Yes, I, I think he could end up being a spoiler, but we'll have to see how it all plays out. Um, so now we're going to move on to the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, there's always a lot of information for us to cover uh, for the Cup Series. They'll be racing the South Point 400 this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Sunday, October the 15th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That coverage will begin with pre-race coverage on NBC starting at 2 p.m. It will also have radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 400.5 miles, over 267 laps. The first uh, stage is 80 laps, ending on lap 80. Second stage will be 85 laps, ending on lap 165. And the last stage will be 102 laps, ending on lap 267. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is the uh, very important program, in my opinion. I know it's important to NASCAR, as they held the Advanced Auto Parts Drive for Diversity Combine back on October 9th through the 11th. And they announced that this week the names of the 15 drivers participating in that uh, Advanced Auto Parts Drive for Diversity Combine that it was held in Concord, North Carolina, as well as Florence, South Carolina. This is the second year for the Advanced Auto Parts, a leading automotive aftermarket parts provider and the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR serving as the primary sponsor of that Advanced Auto Parts Drive for Diversity Combine. Now, what it is, drivers from around the United States and several countries applied to NASCAR's Drive for Diversity Driver Development Program, hoping to be selected. After going through a careful process, 15 drivers were chosen to travel to Concord uh, North Carolina and Florence, South Carolina, to be evaluated by judges from across the NASCAR industry. Each participant, or participant is assessed in different areas from physical fitness and on-track performance, as well as media and marketing skills. And the NASCAR Drive for Diversity Driver Development Program was created back in 2004 to develop and train top drivers from diverse backgrounds and experiences, both on and off the track. NASCAR Cup Series drivers Bubba Wallace, Daniel Soares, and Kyle Larson are alumni of the program, which is operated by Rev Racing out of Concord, North Carolina. The entitlement sponsor of the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series and the Advanced My Track Challenge Advance is dedicated to enhancing the experience for race fans, drivers, and teams in NASCAR's home tracks across North America. As a part of this advanced auto parts drive for diversity combine, the retailer continues to expand its presence in the sport. Now, this year's uh, candidates, again, were evaluated based on applications, references, and previous on-track performance by a panel comprised of NASCAR executives as well as other industry members. We'll take a look at them here. I'm going to start down here at the bottom. Uh, Lucas Vera, and again, I have not heard a lot of these names, so I apologize if I mess them up. Let's see. 
hometown car type. Okay. Uh, Lucas Vera is 16 years old, comes from Charlotte, North Carolina, drove a U.S. legend car. Regina Cervent is 20-year-old, comes from Mexico City, Mexico. Obviously, drives in the NASCAR Mexico Challenge Series as well as late model stock. Paige Rogers, 20-year-old from New Haven, Indiana, running in the late model stock and pro late model. Laquan McCoy, Jr., 12 years old, out of Fort Mill, South Carolina, runs in the NX Bandolero Series. Jada Mack is 14 years old, out of Chino Hills, California, and pro late models. And not repeating myself, this one is Jalen Mack, 18 years old, out of Chino Hills, California, also runs in the pro late model. Then we got 14-year-old Nathan Lyons, comes right there out of Concord, North Carolina, running in the U.S. Legend cars. Cassidy Keat is 14 years old, comes out of Lexington, North Carolina, been in the NX U.S. Legends cars. Caleb Johnson comes from the West Coast, 15-year-old from Denver, Colorado, the pro late model as well as the U.S. Legend cars. The next one, a NASCAR Brazil sprint race driver is Arthur Gama, 18 years old, out of Porto Alguera, Brazil. Another one from Mexico City, Mexico, 18-year-old Eloy Lopez Falcon, U.S. Legends cars as well as the NASCAR Mexico Challenge Series. And then out of Landa Lakes, Florida is T.J. DeCare, 16-year-old in the pro super late model snots. 13-year-old Cameron Caraway comes from Castro Valley, California in the restricted late models and micro sprints. The last two out of Griffin, Georgia is Justin Campbell, 18-year-old coming out of late model stocks. And then Jackson Drivers Lanny Bruce, Boos, there's no R in there, a 16-year-old also coming out of the late model stock. So a lot to look forward to when we talk about the future of racing. Yes, indeed. They do such a great job with the, that uh, Drive for Diversity Combine, and uh, I look forward to seeing those drivers uh, on the track. Okay, now there's some milestones to watch for this season. Uh, we're going to take a look at a few of them. Um, well, there's not that much left to go. Uh, Daniel Suarez and Ryan Priest both have a, well, along with Ty Gibbs, all have milestones coming up at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, that race will be on October the 29th. Uh, for Daniel Suarez, it'll be his 250th Cup Series start. Ryan Priest, it'll be his 150th Cup Series start. And for Ty Gibbs, his 50th Cup Series start. Then Denny Ham at Phoenix Raceway, Denny Hamlin will experience his 650th NASCAR Cup Series start. That's on October, November the 5th. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., his 400th Cup Series start. Uh, drivers with 10 wins or more, Kush, Kyle Busch, of course. He leads all active drivers and career wins with 63, followed by Kevin Harvick with 60, Demlin, Denny Hamlin with 51, then it's Brad Keselowski, uh, Martin Truex, and Joey Logano, all in the 30s. Brad, Kes- Brad with 35, Martin with 34, and Joey Logano with 32. Kyle Larson has 22, Chase Elliott 18, and William Byron 10. 
organization wins. It's Wood Brothers on the cusp of a milestone victory in the Cup Series. They're looking at they're looking for their 100th Cup Series win this weekend. Hendrick Motorsports, as we know, they lead all the Cup Series organization and wins with 300. Uh, they just recently hit that milestone. They're followed by Joe Gibbs Racing at 207, RFK with 141, Team Penske at 138, RCR at 116, the Wood Brothers at 99, Stuart Hawes Racing at 69, Trackhouse Racing has only five, along with uh, 2311 Racing. Then it's Front Row Motorsports with four, JT Doherty Racing at two, along with College Racing with two, and Spire Motorsports with one. Closing in on the Cup Series uh, manufacturer wins, uh, when, uh, they're looking for 850. Uh, Chevrolet currently has 849. They're just one win away from that. The most all-time in the Cup Series, in fact. Ford has the second most wins all-time at 727. Toyota has the fifth most wins at 179, and that's behind Dodge and Plymouth. Dodge has 217 and Plymouth 191. Car's number wins? Well, it's car number 99. They're looking for their 50th win. Uh, So whenever they have that next win, it will be the 50th win in the NASCAR Cup Series. Well, we're looking to move forward to the NASCAR championship, but we're going to have some NHL champions at Las Vegas. The Golden Knights, Aiden Hill and William Carey, are going to serve as Grand Marshals for the October 15th um, Las Vegas race. Again, the Knights goalie, Aiden Hill, and forward William Carrier will take part in NASCAR's most thrilling events and moments, serving as Sunday's Grand Marshals, delivering those most famous words in motorsports of start your engines for the 6th annual Stokeslaint. 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Earlier this year, the Vegas Golden Knights brought home the Stanley Cup in just their sixth year of existence. During the year's playoff run, Hill became the driving force in the net for the Golden Knights, posting a pair of shutout performances during the postseason. Carrier, one of the five remaining original Golden Knights, scored two goals and had four assists in that championship run as well. And the veteran players from the Vegas Golden Knights will join a list of luminaries to deliver the command at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And they include Bryce Harper, Carol Shelby, Mark Wahlberg, Tim Allen, Marcus Allen, Cole Hauser, Derek Carr, Kim Kardashian, the Rascal Flats, Brent Mushberger, and Dana White. Very cool. All right, next we'll take a look at the playoff drivers. And, Jay, I'm going to need help with this one. We're looking at the best of the best of the Cup playoff contender performances at Las Vegas. So with only eight drivers left uh, in the playoffs to decide who will win the Cup Series title, um, of these eight drivers, four are former winners at Las Vegas, Truex, Byron, Hamlin, and Larson. Now, with so much on the line heading into this race on Sunday, we'll look at their performances at Las Vegas. 
for all eight of the playoff drivers. Do you want to start with the bottom up? All right. In the number eight spot is Ryan Blaney, driver of the number 12, Team Penske Ford. He's in the playoffs in that final spot heading into Las Vegas this weekend. Ten points back from the championship four-round cut line. On the season, Blaney has fashioned a season-to-date driver rating of 85.3, which is the eighth best, putting up two wins, five top fives, and 14 top tens. The North Carolina native has also led 362 laps, posted an average finish of 15.5. When we look at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Blaney has posted five top fives, eight top tens, and one pole at the 1.5-mile track, also earned an average finish of 12.429, which is seventh best, and it ranks 11th or better in several key pre-race loop data categories. Average running position at 10.974 is sixth best, seventh best driver rating at 96.5, 166 fastest laps run, which is 11th best, 2,827 laps in the top 15 or 75.3 best, or 75.3%, which is ninth most, and then 700 quality passes, which is ninth most. Okay, next we'll take a look at Tyler Reddick. He drives the number 45, 2311 Racing Toyota. Right now he's ranked ninth in the playoff standings, and uh, he's eight points back from the championship four-round cut line. This season, Reddick has posted the fifth-best season-to-date driver rating at 90.2. He's secured two wins, nine top fives, and 14 top tens, along with two poles. He's also led 469 laps, that's seventh most, and he has an average finish of 15.8 on the year. Coming into Las Vegas this weekend, Ruddick's put up three top tens and one pole at the fame track. He's also managed an average finish of 16.0, which is 12th best, and is ranked in the top 20 in several pre-race loop data categories including average running position at 15.594, 13th best, driver rating at 78.0, again 13th best, 52 fastest laps run, which is 15th best, 1,061 laps in the top 15, which represents 56.4%, and 18th most, along with 356 quality passes, again, at 18th most. So Tyler Reddick, we'll keep an eye on him this weekend at Las Vegas. In sixth spot is one of the Chris's. This one's Christopher Bell, number 20, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. He heads into Las Vegas, eight points back from the championship four cut line. On the season, Bell has managed a season-to-date driver rating of 90.0, which is sixth best, picking up one win, eight top fives, and 16 top tens, to go along with five poles. The Oklahoma native has led 512 laps as well, which is fifth most. Average finish, 13.1. And ahead to Las Vegas, he's picked up uh, one top five, three top tens, and one pole at the 1.5-mile speedway. He also has an average finish of 19.571, which is 18th best and ranks inside the top 25 in the pre-race loop 
loop data categories. Uh, average running position, 17.525, which is 18th best. His driver rating is 15th best at 76.2. 29 fastest laps runs puts him 22nd. 893 laps in the top 15, 47.5%, is 21st most. And then 336 quality passes puts him at 19th. Okay, we'll take a look at the next Chris, which is Chris Busher. He drives the number 17 RFK Racing Ford and is fifth in the playoff standings. Uh, and that's just three points back from the championship round uh, of four, championship four round cut line. Now, this season, Busher has earned a season-to-date driver rating at 84.5, which is ninth best. He's also collected three wins, eight top fives, 15 top tens. Busher's led 237 laps and also has an average finish of 12.2 on the year. Looking at Las Vegas Motor Speedway performance, Bush has posted just one top 10 finish. His average finish there is 17.769, which is 15th best. He ranks inside the top 25 in several uh, pre-race loop data categories, including average running position, where he's 24th best at 21.649. He's 25th best in driver rating at 60.9. He's got 24 of the fastest laps run, which is 24th best. 471 laps in the top 15, which represents 13.5%. And 24th most, and then he has 250 quality passes, which ranks him at 23rd most. Above the cut line there in the four spot, you got the number 500 Motorsport Chevrolet of Kyle Larson as he goes into three points up on the championship four-round cut line. For the year, Larson has put up a driver rating at 94.4, which is third best, and gathered three wins, 13 top fives, 15 top tens, and two poles. California native has also led 898 laps, which is the series' most, and is an average finish of 15.1. She arrives at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Larson has one win, six top fives, and 10 top tens out in the desert. His average finish is 10.5, which puts him fourth best, and his loop data category ranks him in the top 10. Average running position is seventh at 111. Well, it says 11.161. Driver rating, uh, 99.4 at fifth best. There's 231 fastest laps run is seventh best. 2,777 laps in the top 15, which is 74%, is 10th most. And then he's got the eighth most quality passes at 747. These numbers are sounding really impressive, but let's take a look next at Denny Hamlin. He drives the number 11 for Joe Gibbs Racing's Toyota, and uh, he's ranked third in the playoff standings. He's up 11 points in the championship four-round cut line. This season, uh, Hamlin's earned the second-best season-to-date driver rating at 96.9, and he's posted three wins. 13 top fives and 16 top tens, along with four poles. Uh, 
The Virginia native has also led 774 laps, the fourth most, and he has an average finish of 12.3. When we look at Las Vegas Motor Speedway performance, Hamlin's accumulated one win, six top fives, and 11 top tens at the track. His average finish is eighth best at 12.783, and he ranks 11th in the key loop data categories, or better. His average running position is 12.644, which is 19th, I'm sorry, which is 10th best. He has a driver rating, uh, which is 11th best at 90.7. Fastest laps run, he has 179 of those, which is 10th best. He's uh, got 3,963 laps in the top 15, representing 64.1%. That's fifth most. And he's third most in quality passes at 1,038. As the saying goes, the cream rises to the top. So all these numbers are going to look good. We're going to take a look at some of Martin Truex's. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., driver of the 19 Jill Gibbs Racing Toyota, Right now, second in the standings as we go to Las Vegas, up 15 points on the championship four-round cut line. Truex has managed the season-to-date driver rating, 92.2, which is fourth best. He's got three victories, nine top fives, 15 top tens, and one pole. He's led 832 laps, which is third most. And his average finish fits at 13.2. Looking at Las Vegas, Truex has picked up two wins there, seven top fives and 14 top tens out there in Nevada. His average finish of 10.0 is third best, and he ranks inside the top 10 as most champions do. The average running position, 10.438 is fourth. Driver rating, 98.5 is sixth best. 340 fastest laps run ranks in third. 4,704 laps in the top 15 at 76.1% gives him the third most ranked spot. And lastly, the quality passes is the series most at 1,141. Wow. All right, let's take it our number one, take a look at our number one seed, and that is William Byron, who drives the number 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. He's up 20 points on the championship round of four cut line. And this season, Byron has put up the series-best season-to-date driver rating at 98.1. He's collected six wins, 13 top fives, 18 top tens, and three poles. He's led 895 laps, second most, and he has an average finish of 11.5. When we look at Las Vegas Motor Speedway performance, Byron has posted one win. That was earlier this year. He has two top fives and four top tens. His average finish is 16.273, 13th best at the track. And he ranks inside the top 15 on several uh, loop data categories. Average running position is ninth best at 11.705. His driver rating is ninth best at 93.3. And he has 187 fastest laps run, which is ninth best. At 2,110 laps in the top 15, that's 71.4%, 13th most. And he has 623 quality passes, which is 13th most. 
pretty amazing stats on some of these drivers. That's why they're in the top eight. Indeed, they are. Now, in Las Vegas Motor Speedway, we got a diamond in the desert. Las Vegas has a lot to do, but the strip uh, this weekend isn't going to compare to the drama at Las Vegas Motor Speedway as we get ready for the round of eight kickoff with the South Point 400 on Sunday. Then we got eight drivers that are going to competing for the shot at this title at the title this weekend, which is the second to last 1.5 mile track on the schedule. And look back of, and I'm going to do a little bit of a recap here. I know we're coming up on time, Sharon. So yeah, uh, there's yeah. been 19 different drivers. Have, 19 different drivers have won a pole in the Cup Series at Las Vegas. We'll look at active drivers. Joey Logano has two, as well as Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Eric Jones, Ryan Blaney, and Brad Keselowski each have one. When we look at winning drivers, there's been 18 different drivers um, with wins at Las Vegas, and eight drivers, eight different drivers have more than, won more than one once at the 1.5-mile track. Uh, Jimmy Johnson leads with wins with four victories. Brad Keselowski also has <clears throat> three, as well as Joey Logano, as the active drivers in the Cup Series. Mentioned those two. With two victories, though, you got Martin Truex Jr. and Kevin Harvick, and then William Byron, Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Larson, as well as Kyle Busch. Sorry, Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch each have one. All right. Uh, just real quick, again, I know we're coming up on time here. Um, as far as clinching scenarios, uh, this is the first race in the round of eight. Everybody in the field, uh, the drivers we've been talking about, William Byron, Truex Jr., Hamlin, Larson, Busher, Bell, Reddick, and Blaney, they can all clinch a spot in that round of four with a win this weekend. Uh, also, uh, just make sure you tune in for all the NASCAR Cup Series on-track action this weekend. The Cup Series will first hit the track with practice and Bush Light Pool qualifying on Saturday, October the 4th. Uh, both can be viewed starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the USA Network. Uh, real quick here, if I can just kind of uh, take a look of what I want to talk about. <laughs> what, what hits you is something that maybe we should say here, Jay. <laughs> Well, being the first uh, first race of the round and this final round, um, look at it. You mentioned nobody can clinch other than a win because the points gap is only yep. 20 points, and that's by William Byron. I think that's huge in how competitive the field is. So this first round is more about setting the tone. Uh, obviously, if you win, you're good. You're looking ahead to Phoenix. But it sets the tone, especially with these eight trying to get to four spots. Uh, it's crunch time in a big way. It is indeed, and uh, I tell you what, uh, it's going to be very uh, intense because every driver in that playoff eight 
they want to get that win and get in to the Final Four for Phoenix. And uh, that takes a lot of pressure off of them if they can come up with the win at Las Vegas uh, because then they don't have to worry about these next two races at Homestead and again at uh, Martinsville before we head to Phoenix. So they want to get that win now uh, to take that pressure off. Well, as we, as we get ready for hot topics, then how about I see if I can put you on the spot, Sharon? Who wins at Vegas uh, in front of you, <laughs> and who are the final four after we get through the whole full, full round? Well, I'll tell you what. I think uh, Byron is the one that everybody has to look out for <laughs> at this track. Uh, that's my head talking, but my heart says Watch out for Martin Truex Jr. He's got to be rebounding at some point. He was doing so well. He was the regular season champion, and I'd really love to see him get that win this weekend and still be part of the equation for the championship four at Phoenix. Um, And the good news is if he gets the win this weekend, he's turned the ship around. Well, I'm right there with you. I'm going to stick with the Hendrick Motorsports camp, though, of Kyle Larson getting the victory this weekend. But I think you mentioned Truex and Byron, I think, are going to be the other two. And then points-wise, it would be Denny Hamlin, but we might have that sneak one of one of the other four, Chris Buescher, Bell, Reddick, or Blaney. But I think you're looking at the top four being the strongest four anyway going into Phoenix. Anything can happen. <laughs> I just want to remind people of that. We saw Sam Mayer come from uh, 12th place to win last week. That put him into the round of eight, so in the Xfinity series, so you never know. All what, right, what is the top of the hour. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's it's Las Vegas. What are the odds on Chris Busher getting the win there and being the first one to lock into the championship for? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> I think there'd be a huge celebration at RFK if that happens. All right. Oh, uh, we're at the top of the hour. That means it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. I know Andy's planning to join us. So I'll be watching for him to come into the queue and bring him in as quickly as we can. But since he's not here, Jay, uh, do you want to go ahead and introduce the first hot topic, or do you want to do the fantasy review? Um, I think I'm doing poorly in the fantasy review, so I'll skip. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we can do that. (laughs) All right, let me pull those up uh, real quick. All right, on the truck side, I know they're still not running yet this week, but uh, Tommy's leading that at 134. Sharon's in right there with him at 128. Sam, 121. Mike, 117. And we're getting down to where I think it's going to be tough. Andy's at 106. Brian, 105. Me at 195. James at 81. And Owen at 74, I know, are out of the truck series. On the Xfinity side, this one got mixed up a little bit this weekend. Sharon, you're at 168. Brian closed in 10 points, so uh, at 158. Andy's there at 154. And there again, it gets a a jump down to me at 128. James, 122. Tommy, 119. Sam, 116. Mike, 114. 
and Owen 97. Uh, mathematically, I think everybody's still involved, but it'd be extremely improbable. The odds are through the roof. Wow. On the cup side, James has just thumped us all year. Team yeah. points. Mike is second at 183. This one, too, is mathematically open, but we'll just kind of politely applaud James. Uh, Mike at 183, Brian 181, Tommy 177, Sharon 172, Andy 170, I'm at 166, Owen 162, and Sam 148. Now the overall, that one's kind of intense. Sharon's at 468, Brian 444, Tommy and Andy at 430, all still right in the mix. James at 416, Mike 414, uh, they're involved, but myself at 389, Sam 385, and Owen at 333. Uh, there again, mathematically, we need every point and top person to get none in order for us to even close in. All right. Uh, thank you so much for all that you do, Jay, to uh, keep track of all of us in our fantasy uh, pick uh, game here. Andy has just now joined us, so let me bring him into the queue and say welcome, Andy Lasky. We're happy to have you here today. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for uh, having me back on. Uh, well, we're so happy to have you here. All right, uh, we're, uh, Andy, did we catch you at a bad time here? Do you want to do the first pick? Uh, yeah, that's fine. I was just actually having to restart my phone. That's why I'm a couple minutes late. It was not cooperating. But, um, yeah, um, just announced, that's I think, fine. yesterday, Sheldon, Cre- Sheldon Creed um, not returning to RCR for next year. Kind of a perplexing move, I felt like. All right, uh, Jay, you want to talk about that? I How do I expand on the word perplexing? In the championship <laughs> run, it hadn't been announced or anything even leading up to this. He is still in the championship run. I know he's not winning races, but he's been competitive. Uh, to, to hear this come out of nowhere, and I, when Mike posted it, I had just gotten into the vehicle and was listening, uh, I think it was uh, Sirius XM with Dave Moody, caught the tail end of a car of who might go into the two, and I was really confused. And then I saw that Mike posted this, and I was like, well, that at least semi-explains it of why they're talking about who could go into the number two, um, being that Sheldon Creed is coming out. I I don't know. I, I just I don't see the, the plan here um, from either side of, and I don't know if Sheldon Creed opted to not return or they have opted to not have him back. And the, where I came in on that call, it was talking about Chandler Smith. And I knew we had talked about him possibly getting a buyout at Colleg and moving over to Joe Gibbs. And that's where I didn't understand why all of a sudden they were trying to put him into the number two car at uh, RCR. Um, but it is a possibility. But, again, it involved a buyout, as we talked about, that with Colleg Racing, that another one involved in the championship hunt still as a rookie and we're talking about him possibly not being there next year. Uh, a lot of things, we just don't have the information, I guess, because it don't make sense to me. 
Well, uh, there's an announcement from Sheldon Creed pending at this point, uh, and it's probably going to come from the team that he's going to be moving into. Uh, I've got a feeling it's probably going to be a Cup Series team because I can't understand why he would leave RCR so quickly. Uh, He's had a good year with RCR in the Xfinity Series, and like I say, it just seems like maybe he is – just got an opportunity here that's too good to pass up. And so we'll have to await the news to find out uh, what that good news might be. Um, Chandler Smith seems to be titled, as you mentioned, Jay, to both Colleg Racing and now RCR with that seat opening. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Both of those are Chevrolet teams, uh, so I find that interesting. Uh, but... Um, yeah, perplexing, I think, is a good word for this move. Uh, the only thing I can think of is there must be something too good to be true coming up here for Sheldon Creed. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this isn't a move that I could have seen coming, honestly. Um, you know, this is, I believe, his first or second year with the team. I think maybe his first full season with the two-car. And... um you know, I felt like even though they haven't won races, I think actually a second year, right? Is this the second full season in that car? I think it is, Andy. Um, yeah, it's his second. So, you know, yeah, I know that they haven't really quite been at the same level as his teammate Austin Hill, but they've been consistent. They did make the playoffs. They're in the round of eight. So I feel like they have been trending the right way. Um, you know, and they had the backing from Wheel and Engineering, you know, and, and obviously RCR is a top-level Xfinity Series program. So I agree with you, Sharon. I don't really know where you go from here. We do see this a lot, though, with especially in the Xfinity Series, um, drivers that just kind of bounce around from team to team. I think Brandon Jones is a good example of that. He's been with RCR, Joe Gibbs Racing, JR Motorsports, and I don't know if the drivers just – try to move around to find the right fit maybe you know I I don't know maybe RCR wasn't the best fit for him it's really hard to say or maybe another opportunity came along that they couldn't pass up the only opportunities that maybe a possibility would be like a Stuart Haas or a Joe Gibbs Racing maybe but then again you know those are cup affiliated teams and so is an RCR so I don't I don't know. It's just an interesting move, and it'll be really interesting to see where he winds up. I would have to say that a move to the Cup Series would be a huge mistake. I think I just don't mm-hmm. see. I don't see Sheldon as a Cup Series talent as of yet. I think that another year or two in the Xfinity Series would probably allow him the opportunity to contend and win races and contend for a championship. And when he does that, then I could look at him as a cup series driver. So that to me would not be a great move if that's even what he's doing. I don't know, but obviously has something up his sleeve. If you're going to leave RCR for something else, it's, it's got to be somewhat of a good opportunity or a great opportunity really. And uh, I guess we'll just see what he winds up doing, but certainly did not have Sheldon Creed leaving the number two RCR car on my uh, silly season bingo card. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> a good way to put it, Andy. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Well, I'll be clear on this. Mike did not post anything specific as far as that, 
But Andy kind of hit on it, and that's where I, I already heard Mike's voice. Sheldon Creed is one that is a talented driver. We've seen what he's done in the truck series. Struggled a little bit coming to the Xfinity series. We've seen the progression this year, but I would honestly have to agree. I don't see him being cup ready if that's the direction that um, that he goes. I uh, understand when certain spots open up, you almost have to take them. But uh, we saw that with John Hunter Nemechek, I, I think. You know, he ended up going back to the mm-hmm. truck series and coming back through the system again. And I just don't want to see Sheldon Creed go through that. Now, again, we don't know why, which side made this decision, who, who made their plans first. Um, we'll have to wait and see how, as the rest of the story comes out. But I just don't see him being ready to go to the Cup Series yet. Uh, with the progression we've seen with RCR and in himself, I think another year at least in the Xfinity Series would be a good move. But uh, I'm not – not in that position to be the one to make you know make that decision to pass up on an opportunity either. Yeah, you guys uh, led right into my follow-up uh, thoughts as well. Uh, I think that this could be, uh, no matter how good this deal is, I think this could be something that Sheldon Creed looks back on at some point in the future and says, boy, did I make a mistake making that move at that time. Um uh, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. It's kind of hard to judge it without knowing the rest of the story. Uh, so we'll see what happens here. But uh, I do I have to agree with you guys. I don't think Sheldon's really ready for Cup yet. Uh, that's what all drivers dream of doing from the time that they're little boys to to becoming uh, NASCAR drivers. Their dream is to be in the NASCAR Cup Series. So I can understand the urge to jump at an opportunity if it presents itself, but I, and we know how difficult the transition is. There's not much, and we've heard several drivers say this, that you can take from the Xfinity Series that's going to transfer into the Cup Series. The only thing you really take is the seat time. Uh, at the different tracks that they race at and understanding the track. But as far as the car, the cars are very different. And so there is a huge learning curve uh, when you move up into the Cup Series these days. So we'll see how it it all plays out and what the rest of the story tells us. But uh, I have to agree, I don't think he's ready to move up to the Cup Series. And it would be a shame if he left RCR for another Xfinity Series team or even a Truck Series team because, one, I think he is talented. Uh, I would like to see him spend more time in the Xfinity Series. And he's he's in good equipment with RCR with a good sponsor. So why make that change to another Xfinity Series team? To me, that wouldn't make sense either. So, Andy, you get the final word. And I think from here, it's a question of where does Sheldon Creek go? You know, is it another Xfinity Series opportunity, perhaps one that he views as a better fit? And and I think the big question is who goes in the two car? Because it has already been said that Wheeling will be back to sponsor that car next year. So somebody's going in that car um, on a full-time basis next year. So that'll be interesting to see who gets that particular car because it's a good one. Um, And then, you know, the, the other question is, does the crew chief go with Sheldon or not? Because Jeff Stankiewicz came over to RCR with Sheldon Creed. So 
maybe mm-hmm. he too goes with Sheldon wherever he winds up. So a lot of questions here. It seems like the Xfinity series has really started to heat up as far as silly season goes. And um, yeah, I'd be curious to see where everyone winds up for next year. Yeah, I said you get the final word, but I thought of something else while you were talking. The other part of that is, is Whelan going with uh, Creed, or is he staying? Is that sponsor staying with RCR? Could it be the first time we see the two Dillon brothers racing for the same team for Papa? <laughs> well, we, we, know, we know that the other one is available now, so that, that is an out of, outside the realm of possibilities, that's for sure. Okay, we'll see what happens. All right, Jay, what's our next talk topic? Well, this is kind of on the same lines of uh, are they ready, But and it's not breaking news. We finally have it officially announced that Hosevar is going to Spire Motorsports on the cup side for 2024. Okay. My, uh, Jay, Andy, what are your thoughts? Well, one of the worst kept secrets, I think, uh, in uh, Philly season this year. But, um, yeah, a good opportunity for Carson. I think that when you look at what he's been able to do in the cup series this year, um, I think he's ready for this. I think that, you know, for me, he's matured a lot from the spring. You know, well, the last couple of three years, obviously he's had some questionable things happen on the racetrack, um, you know, culminating with some stunts that he pulled. I think it was this spring where he right reared somebody in a truck race at Martinsville. And that was kind of that breaking point, you know, where I think he finally started to figure stuff out and figure out how to race with respect and and not losing his head, you know, and and he started to get better. He's been good. He's won races in the truck series this year. And I think when he filled in for Corey LaJoy in the uh, cup series race at Gateway earlier this year, that to me was um, just eye-opening at how impressive he was. He took that car up into the top 15 before the brake rotor failure. And since then has done a really good job uh, filling in with the 42 car. He has been by far, uh, the best driver in that car this season and has taken a car that's run back in the thirties up into the teens and, and run really well. And also, although the results don't show it, did a really good job in the Spire Motorsports Xfinity car a couple of different times this year. So I think he's ready for this. And I think that Spire Motorsports who, you know, has, has struggled in recent years, really since their inception has taken some measures to say that we're, we're here to try to improve and, and be a competitive team. I think that their recent acquisitions and partnerships have shown that they are, they're not out here to run 30th every week. I think they're out here to try to get better. And certainly I think him in, in, the, in the 77 car is, is a logical move. That's a car that has not run well ever since they've, you know, brought that on at Spire. And I think that based on his ability to get the most out of a race car and based off his results this season i do think that he can step in there and be a viable teammate for uh, not just Corey lejoy but also for zane smith who will drive a third spire car next year so this is uh, a good move i think it's a logical move i think that he can go in there and be an immediate asset to that team and be competitive and um, i'm not going to say that he's ready to win races and be a playoff car right off the bat. But I do think that he can consistently be 
perhaps a 15th to 20th place car next year. And I think if he does that, that's a, a good rookie season. Yeah, I'm, I think that uh, uh, this is a good move for Carson Hosevar. Uh, I'm going to kind of contradict myself from what I just said about Sheldon Creed about the difficulty of transitioning into the Cup Series. Uh, Carson Hosevar has had a few Cup Series runs, and he's done pretty well uh, for being a rookie uh, running in the Spire Motorsports machines. So... I think this is going to be a good move for Carson Hosevar. Uh, I think he's shown that he can be the exception to the rule, if you will, when it comes to making that transition, and that he can do very well. I do think that this is part of uh, Spider Motorsports. We've been talking about how they are upping their game, if you will, and I do think that there's going to be more announcements from Spire Motorsports. And I, personally, I'm not going to be too surprised if it does happen to happen. I, did I just say that? Okay, so I think that um, an announcement that came out this morning is that uh, Spire, from Spire Motorsports is Marco Andretti is going to pilot uh, uh, the number seven at both Homestead and Phoenix. And I know Andretti Motorsports, are, uh, they've been wanting to get into the Cup Series for quite some time, and there's been rumors that they've been some of the funding behind Spire Motorsports. So I, I really think that the signs are all there that we may hear an announcement that Andretti and Spire are going to join forces, uh, and that will be part of upping their game. So I think this is going to be really good for Carson Hosevar, for Zane Smith, and for Corey LaJoy. They all deserve that opportunity. And I'm kind of excited about the possibilities uh, that I kind of see uh, the writing on the wall uh, coming up here for that organization. So, again, I think Carson's ready. I think he's, he's not going to... Uh, like you say, maybe go out and win a bunch of races, but he might surprise us and win a couple. Uh, and I, I do think that he's ready to make this transition into the Cup Series directly from the Truck Series. Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and this is one where, and this one Mike does have his actual comments. I'll read it. Schmarson Brosevar hits the big time. Let's hope for his sake that Spire is seriously, seriously about, seriously, serious about not sucking anymore. Look at any organization, and I know he's a fan of Hendrick Motorsports, so they had a starting point too, and Spire has gone through that. We've seen it just in the past year plus, I'd say, with Corey LaJoy as far as improving on their performance and then their finishes, especially when it comes to super speedways you got to start somewhere, um, and a lot of teams are able to start on the super speedway. So I think that the, that organization is trending in a good direction, and drivers like Carson Hosevar are getting in uh, while it's on the uprise. You know, uh, It's tougher to get in once it's Joe Gibbs Racing or Hendrick Motorsports at the level they're at now. It's tougher to get in. So you get in while it's on the uprise. <coughs> Excuse me. I think there's something, I believe it was Richard Petty said that in realistic terms, the Xfinity series is no longer a necessary step when it comes to progression. And Sharon, you mentioned it, the, the changeover mm -hmm. between Xfinity 
and Cup Series just isn't what it used to be other than, as you mentioned, just experience of track time, seat time, uh, racing in, in bigger competitive fields, longer races, etc. But realistically, and Carson Hosevar has shown that, of that he has the capability, um, even in certain cars, to perform, outperform what they've performed so far. So I think it is a good move. I'm excited for it. The only concern I have is Carson Hosevar and Zane Smith, limited starts. Um, they've both shown capability, but having two rookies with Corey LaJoy, and LaJoy is a seasoned driver, but not a top winning driver as of yet. Um, if that's your organization, your leadership there as far as drivers, it would be my only concern. Okay. Uh, Andy, what's your follow-up? I, I, I think that this is um, a good step for, for Spire Motorsports um, as far as progressing forward. Um, to Jay's point, you know, Corey LaJoy, um, you know, although they haven't, you know, developed into a playoff car or a winning car yet, he's been the lead driver over there and done a pretty good job. And I think that that's something that's been lacking with the 77 car. So I think now you've got a really good second driver to go along with Corey LaJoy. And we all know that Zane Smith um, is one of the the better prospects out there, I think. So I, I, I think that Carson Hosevar specifically helps move the needle forward for Spire Motorsports. And I think that can help Corey too. Um, I don't expect a lot out of Zane next year. It's a rookie season, but I, I, and so is the case for Carson too. But I think that Carson's cup series results kind of almost make me think that he's in a spot to, to go in there and be potentially equally as competitive, at least as Corey LaJoy has been. So I think that, you know, that level of talent can, can really help a program move forward. Carson can come in there and, and probably, you know, help feed off Corey's ideas and, and between the two of them, I think, can make that program better. I think that, you know, not to not to show disrespect toward anybody else, but I don't really feel like Corey's had a good second teammate um, or a good teammate up until now um, with, with Carson. So I think that Carson's really going to help I think, push that forward, that program forward um, along with Corey LaJoy. And I think that Zane Smith will, will benefit from that. So overall, this is, in my mind, a, a positive direction for, for this team and, and a good move overall. Yeah, you make some really good points, Andy. I think uh, this is a good move for, for everybody that's involved in this. Uh, it, it, it is uh, a plus, plus, plus all the way around. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing how it plays out next season. Um, uh, like I say, I am anticipating some further announcements as it relates to uh, Spire Motorsport. It's pure speculation on my part, so don't bank anything on what I'm saying. Uh, it is speculation on my part, just kind of knowing what I know from the history and, and uh, some signs that I'm seeing on the wall. Um, but I, I think uh, Aspire Motorsports has made it very clear that they are seriously serious 
uh, about upping their game. And I think these three drivers are the drivers that can make that happen. I know Corey's been involved with uh, mentoring other drivers as well or, or being the spotter. He's, he's had a lot of different roles. And so I think he's going to be uh, uh, an integral part of all of this. And like you said, we've seen him have some success with Spider already this year. And uh, I think we're going to see some success uh, for both Zane Smith and, and Carson Hosevar with that organization as well. And, in fact, they made an announcement, um, not they, but Nice Motorsports announced that they've got a driver. Matt Mills is joining motor, uh, Nice Motorsports for the full-time truck series schedule next year. So he'll be driving the 42 Chevrolet Silverado. So uh, they've already got that seat filled. <clears throat> Jay, what's your follow-up? Well, my follow-up would be on the side of, uh, of what you mentioned with the Andretti. Um, and that goes back to when Spire Motorsports first purchased the uh, charter from mm-hmm. Live Fast Motorsports, I believe it was that you know you start looking at where where's the money coming from and we saw that earlier in the year i think it was at one of the dirt races that marco andretti had run um gamebridge had sponsored him as well as one or two other spots on some other spires other cars that you saw that relationship building and it's been well documented that andretti has looked to get involved in nascar so i think you're right i think that door is finally open and we're seeing the fruition and what's come come to play in it. Um, they are looking to do, as they bought Kyle Busch Motorsports, three truck series teams for next mm-hmm. year. So I think Marco Andretti may play into that, as you mentioned. When it comes down the road, we'll have to wait and see. But the only thing I, in all of this I don't understand is how long it took or why it took so long for them to officially announce this. As you said, it's kind of been the worst-kept secret um, with Carson Hosevar, and he talked a little bit about it on Race Hub when he said that, and I'm trying to think of, he kind of had plans in place, and then Spire Motorsports came to him and said, hey, we got to get some things buttoned up and taken care of, give us some time, and then this deal came to fruition. So, uh, again, I think there is some more involvement. We may not know it all publicly, but that there is some other involvement and it is for big plans. And like I said, of every team started somewhere, um, you know, and I think we're seeing the beginning of it with Spire Motorsports. Okay. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on. The only other thought that I have there, Jay, is is uh, Andretti did it right. If you think about the charter system and how much those charters cost, he's partnering with an existing organization that already has those charters. So I think that's smart on their part if that is indeed what happened. Okay, Andy, what's our next top topic? Oh, let's see. Um, just going to take a look at the list here. We've got a we we run a list over at our uh, fan for racing teams uh, site so that we know what hot topics we want to talk about. So yeah, Legacy Motor Club adds Matt Kenseth basically as a competition advisor. That was a bit of an interesting move. It was Jay. What are your thoughts about Matt Kenseth getting back into NASCAR? 
Uh, one, I'm excited about it. Two, this is one. You talk about something coming out of nowhere. Uh, we've we've seen Carl Edwards at the track here and there throughout the uh, throughout the year. There's always rumors about him and coming back. Matt Kenseth's name. I know he was at uh, one of the throwback things. Uh, did some broadcasting for Fox in the year, but not anything to this level. Kind of like Jimmy Johnson was actually when he bought into uh, Legacy Motor Club. So. A little bit of a shock, but I'm excited about it, um, especially, and I know they talked about this on, on Sirius XM Radio, of his experience with Toyota. Uh, we mentioned that, I think, on Monday night. He left the uh, Roush Ford, uh, went to the dark side with Toyota, and to come back to, the, to them um, is kind of interesting, but I, I'm excited for it. And you talked about, as I said, with Coy LaJoy of veteran experience driver uh you have it in matt kenseth championship winning driver as a matter of fact so to bring him into one that already includes richard petty as an it's about dale inman jimmy johnson i mean you're putting some championship leadership anyway at this point into that team so there's another team you want to talk about getting serious about being better you're seeing it with legacy motor club Yes, indeed. This is an organization that's also building uh, with Jimmy Johnson as uh, one of the primary people at the helm. And uh, I tell you what, I it was a surprise to me. I agree with you guys. I wasn't expecting this to come, but it did, and I'm happy that it did. Uh, I think that this is an example of uh, – uh, you know, strength building on strength. But each person brings a different strength to the organization. So I think Matt Kenseth is going to be a great addition to Legacy Motor Club. Uh, I'm excited to see what they're able to do together uh, with uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, and and uh, Richard Petty. I don't know how much Richard Petty is still involved in the organization, but I do think that this is is really a fantastic news for the drivers at Legacy Motor Club. Uh, I know Eric Jones is there, and uh, have they announced who's going to drive the other car yet for Legacy? Yeah, John Hunter. Oh, that's right. That's right. John Hunter Nemechek. Oh, wow. That has to be great news for for both of those guys uh, to have Matt Kenseth come in and be an advisor and and, and be a part of their day-to-day operation. Um, Matt has that dry sense of humor, too, that I think is going to fit in really well uh, with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, A lot of people think of Matt Kenseth being a, a quiet guy. But look out. He's got a wicked sense of humor, and uh, I, I appreciate Matt Kinsa's sense of humor and, and the way he delivers. So I think he's going to deliver for this organization as well. Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see Matt Kinsa uh, take this role. I mean, certainly um, when you have Jimmy Johnson as a team owner, you really – I'm not sure – that you really need any more competition advisement other than, you know, somebody who's already a seven-time champion. Um, but why not bolster your, your competition department, I suppose. And obviously, you know, we all know that Matt Kenseth is also a Cup Series champion and, and maybe brings a different perspective. Um, so I, I really like what this team's doing. Obviously, it, it, this year has been a bit of a struggle, but I look at next year as possibly being – 
a completely different year for this team. Obviously, it, it will be from the standpoint of they'll be with Toyota, not Chevrolet. John Hunter Nemechek, who's been uh, just, I think, easily the best Xfinity Series team and driver this year, um, will go over there and, and hopefully resurrect his Cup Series career, along with Eric Jones, who's done a, a pretty good job. Um, given how this has been of a struggle this year for this team, Eric's done a pretty good job in the 43. So uh, I really think that next year could be a completely different outlook for this team. I'm not going to say that they're going to go from struggling to winning 15 races in the championship next year, but I do think this is a team coupled with Toyota support that can go out there and, and possibly win a race or two and make the playoffs, which would be a marked improvement over this season. So, um, I like what this team's doing. They're making moves, I think, to try to, to be better next year. And, and I think that, you know, adding someone with the caliber of Matt Kenseth and his experience to go along with, you know, people like Jimmy Johnson, who obviously his resume speaks for itself, I think can position this team for some success next year. All right, Jay, your follow-up? For, for me, this one goes back to, again, of – Where's the the involvement in, I want to say money line, but we've looked at Toyota has always been basically a four-car team with a couple of satellites. They've talked about that, that they wanted to expand their footprint as far as it came to top teams. you got 2311 now with Denny Hamlin, a pair there. Two more coming in, that's now eight um, as far as, I say top teams, but ones that are being fully supported by Toyota um, and not just a satellite take what we can get type deal, which is why I believe Legacy was pulling away from Chevrolet was they felt like they were fourth or fifth in the pecking order when it came to, it came to teams and the support they were getting. So if Toyota is willing to put that behind them, they're willing to invest by bringing in whatever they need to, which includes Matt Kenseth. And again, I think, I think it's good for the sport uh, of seeing that, uh, drivers that are still then involved in some capacity, some of them as owners, some of them as broadcasters, as Kevin Harvick's going to do, whatever it be, just that they're still involved um, with, the, with the sport and not just walk away from it. Um, so, and if they choose to, not that that's necessarily wrong, I just say, and I like to see them, uh, keeps that bridges that gap between one generation of fans because there's still fans that grew up watching Matt Kenseth, so I'm sure they're excited to see him back where some others are then learning history of it, as we do with those who have been involved in the sport for a long time. So I see it as a good thing all the way around. Yeah, I really do too. And and if you think about it, uh, Jimmy Johnson can't do it all. Okay, yeah, he's a seven-time champion. Uh, he has a lot to offer to the to the teams. Uh, that are part of his organization, uh, but he can't do everything <laughs> that is involved with that organization. You have to have good people around you that can carry out the direction that you want to go. And that's why I see Matt Kins is playing a, a critical role there. He's going to take direction from Jimmy Johnson, and he's going to pass that on to the drivers within the organization uh, and, and take them in the direction that Jimmy Johnson wants to go. So um, I, I think that he needs to have somebody like a, a Matt Kenseth in the organization uh, that can help him carry out his vision. 
So the people at the top are the visionaries, but they've got to have other people around them that can carry out what their vision is. So I think Matt Kinseth is a good choice, and um, uh, we'll see how it plays out. You know, maybe they won't get along, but I don't see that happening. Um, but I, I do think uh, that this is a good move, and I can't wait to see how it plays out for the next uh, 2024 season. So, Andy, what's your follow-up? Uh, I don't really have much to add, honestly, for this one. Okay. Uh, Jay, what do you got next? Well, you kind of hit on this one earlier. I thought we were going to go into it. I posted it, and I said this could light some serious fire amongst fans. There is rumor that Ty Dillon has been linked to college racing in replacement of A.J. Allmendinger, who we get the feeling is going back to the Xfinity series. Okay, Andy, your thoughts. Yeah, um, I know Mike's got some pretty strong opinions about this. I'll try to be a little more diplomatic about it. Um, <laughs> I'll start by saying I'll start by saying with Ty Dillon that there was a time about 10 to 12 years ago when he first came into the truck series actually the ARCA series as well, that I thought he was the more talented Dylan brother um, of the two. And I, he had promise. He won some truck races. Um, he did pretty well in the Xfinity series. And then things have kind of just fallen off. I mean, he, he got into the Jermaine racing cup car. Remember the Geico 13 car. And, and, you know, there was, obviously the statement that he made about how he wanted to do things on his own and not from the help of his grandfather. And I respect that certainly, but it's just, it's been a, a quite a struggle for year after year after year. Um, and I look at recent results, he's driven RCR Xfinity cars and struggled. He drove a few races for Joe Gibbs racing and struggled he has struggled heavily in the Spire 77 car. That's why when I made the statement that Carson Hostovar is really the first good teammate that Corey Joyce had, I was 100% referencing Ty Dillon, not trying to be mean about it, but trying to state the facts here. And, and so if he is rumored to take over the 16 cup car from AJ Allmendinger, you know that it's, it's a business decision. It's not a talent decision. And I hate to say that because there was a time when I felt like he had promise, but he's continued to bounce around from opportunity to opportunity and the results just aren't there plain and simple. Um, and I'm not sure we're ever going to see those results. Maybe, I don't know. I would almost rather see Ty go back and run a full Xfinity season. Maybe he can regain some of that lost form from years ago and, and get his career back on track to me, that would be the best step. But um, I, you know, for, for calling racing to potentially move AJ back to Xfinity in favor of Ty Dillon, I, man, I don't know. That's just not, not a winning move, plain and simple. That's just, that's my opinion and it's okay to disagree with it, but I, I would be, I would be disappointed to see that move made if that's what Colleague Racing is going to do. I 100% agree with you, Andy. I don't think that that would be a good move for Colleague to put Ty Dillon into a cup car. Um, but at the same hand, 
to me, that's a, that's a huge head-scratcher, why anybody would even think that would be a possibility. But I do think that there's still some speculation about whether or not AJ's going to come back to the Xfinity series. I've heard rumors on both sides of that, that there's no way they're going to let him not race in Cup next year, uh, that he's still going to be in the Cup series. Um, so they're going to do everything they possibly can, I'm sure, to try to keep him in the Cup series. But, um, yeah, I, I think it would make sense for um, Ty Dillon to be in that Cup car for college racing. Uh, the only reason why I think Colleague would do that is if they can do it with him at a lower cost than what they could do it with uh, A.J. Allmendinger. That might be one motivation for them to do that. Uh, but is he really going to do anything for the organization? To your point, Andy, he's been in with a lot of teams, Legacy Motor Club and, and some other teams, and it's Aspire Motorsports, where we just talked about how they're building and growing and doing some great things there, and they he's not going to be driving for them next year. That's not the driver they chose to move forward with. So <clears throat> I do think that um, it would make more sense for Ty Dillon to go back to the Xfinity Series, maybe in that number two for RCR. Uh, let him contend for a championship. He, that would give him the chance to show us that he belongs. Uh, because his track record is not a track record that tell us, tells us that he belongs in the Cup Series. So he needs to reestablish him, himself, and I think it would be a great opportunity for him to reestablish himself in that number two car with RCR. Um, go for a championship in the Xfinity Series, uh, and then explore what the possibilities are in the Cup Series and see if that would help him. I know that that uh, somewhat um, contradicts what we've been saying about the transition between the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series, but who knows? We may find that that is a home for Ty Dillon in the Xfinity Series, very similar to what we saw with AJ, not AJ, but um, Justin Allgaier. So look how good Justin Allgaier has been in the Xfinity Series where he can shine as opposed to the Cup Series where he was a back runner all the time. So I think that would make more sense to me than him being in the Cup Series with college racing. Um, uh, so just, just my thoughts. Uh, Jay, what are you thinking? Well, go back to Monday night's uh, rant, as he called it, by Mike. There's some aspects to it I do have to agree with. Um, as I put it, as a fan, I am not happy with this at all. As a talent perspective, looking from the outside of evaluating talent, what we see on track, it, it is not a great move. To me, it's almost as if they swapped out even Justin Haley for Ty Dillon, another one that college racing was attempting to build around. It didn't develop. They moved on to come back to Ty Dillon would be kind of the same situation in my opinion. Um, and especially then taking away the seat from a proven winner one week ago um, when it comes to AJ Allmendinger. That makes it a business decision, and, and this is where Mike really goes off. And, and from that aspect, I do understand his point of 
at what cost do you give up talent for the dollars? Um, and again, I'm not the one paying these bills, so I can't say and don't want to be in that position. You'd like to think that talent earns your spot and the money will follow. We've just seen where that doesn't always necessarily happen. When it comes to Ty Dillon, I think that is one of those of, and I know uh, I can't think of the words Mike likes to use, but I still see the talent. We've talked about that with Ty Dillon. Whether or not it's ever going to be maximized at the cup level, maybe not. And, and again, take no talent away from Justin Allgaard. He just never made it at the cup level. Regan Smith is another one, although he had one win um, with front row motors, or sorry, furniture row motorsports. He was much better suited when he drove in the Xfinity series. So I hate to see it, but I also think there is more talented cup series drivers available, such as, again, A.J. Allmendinger, um, when it comes to filling that ride. I just hate to see it come down to a full business money situation like that, which is what Mike really um, gets a, a burr under his saddle, if you will. Uh, the aspect where I would disagree with him is where he wants to say they have no talent and all they have is a paycheck. And we know that's not true because actually Ty Dillon op- passed up on that opportunity to ride on the family name or in the family company to work on it on his own, which, as Andy said, you got to admire that. Um, and so I don't fully go, go along with Mike's statement of no talent when it comes to some of these drivers. It's just not the right situation, I guess. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we'll have to wait for the announcement to see if this is what happens or not. Um, you know, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, Ty may have some funding, um, you know, that comes with him. And also you have to consider that Colleague Racing has a heavy alliance with RCR, I don't know if that has any mm-hmm. influence in it or not, but, you know, maybe maybe putting Ty Dillon in a cup car helps strengthen that business relationship between the two. You just you just never know, you know, the inner workings behind the scenes. Um, like I said, you know, I, I try not to be too tough on him because, like I said, there was a time years ago when he, when he had promise, he had the potential, and, you know, I really thought that out of the two Dillon brothers that he – showed more talent, you know, and for whatever reason, it, it hasn't developed, I think, the way that, that I certainly thought it would, um, you know. So, I mean, I, I have nothing against Ty Dillon personally. I think that he, you know, kind of just quietly goes out there and does his job on a weekly basis. In fact, you almost don't even know he's there 90% of the time, which is probably a good thing. Um but yeah, I mean, I, you hope that he can get, like Jay said, in that right opportunity that where that allows him to go out and be competitive. And that's why I almost would rather see him get into a top Xfinity car, you know, and, and go out there and get back to that that winning racing form and, and contending in, for a championship. And drivers have to do that sometimes, where they have to take that step back because I've often believed that I'd much rather. If I were a driver, which of course I'm not, thankfully, <laughs> but if I, from just looking at it from the outside looking in, like, you know, I would rather see a driver take a step back and, and get into a competitive situation in a truck or Xfinity car versus driving a backmark cup car because 
that keeps you relevant. If you can win races and get your name in the spotlight on a weekly basis, I think that's better for someone's long-term career than than being a backmark Cup Series driver. That being said, obviously the sponsorship comes into it from a perspective of sponsors would probably rather be in a Cup car on Sunday, so maybe that's why Ty Dillon gets these Cup rides because he has the funding and, and that funding wants to be a part of a Sunday uh, a Sunday race versus a Saturday race, or, you know, from the perspective of money, obviously, if you look at the purses, the Cup Series pays a lot more than, than the lower series, so I don't know, but I I just think that from a relevant standpoint, if you can be competitive and get your name out there by winning races on Saturdays, um, that it bodes well for career progression. I don't know. Um, hard to say, I guess, Really, it's hard to speculate because we don't really know yet. We'll just have to wait and see what the announcement is at some point. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Yep, I'll tell you what. Uh, you you kind of t- hit on something that I was thinking about too, and that's the relationship between Spire and RCR, both Chevrolet teams, and that that may have something to do with this. But, Jay, you also brought up a good point, too. We're not saying that Ty Dillon's not talented. We're just saying that he um, hasn't got a good track record at this point for the number of years that he's been racing. Uh, And there could be a, a number of factors that play into that. Uh, and and you've brought up some of those factors. Uh, but I, I still think, um, and, and I under, although I understand it from a business perspective, you can get Ty Dillon maybe for a lesser price uh, than you can get A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, it helps support and strengthen the relationship between RCR and, uh, uh, and colleague racing. Uh, and so there are some reasons. It's not a total head-scratcher, I guess, but there are some good reasons uh, from a business perspective where it would make sense. Uh, however, from a developmental uh, perspective and everything, it just seems like I, I totally agree with Andy that he'd be better off in the Xfinity Series uh, and kind of establishing a good track record uh, and people will forget about the other track records. It, it'll establish a very positive track record that can help propel his career. Uh, and so from a career perspective, I think it just makes more sense uh, for him to establish that positive track record. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he'll prove us all wrong and he'll do really good at college racing um, as a part of that partnership with RCR. And it will be a good thing for him there, too. But uh, like Andy said, we're all speculating, and it's hard to really uh, know for sure what's going to happen until we hear what the actual announcement is. So we'll leave it at that. And, Jay, I'll let you have the last word here. Well, and, and just to look at it from the perspective of what really truly defines a driver, look at Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, and even to some degree, Joey Logano. Uh, Joey Logano came into Joe Gibbs Racing as, just like Daniel Suarez did. They had a win. Or, you know, Suarez had some good runs. He didn't have a, a Cup Series victory yet. But they just didn't fit in, and it wasn't a top level. Joey Logano moved to Penske, became a champion, a two-time champion. Daniel Suarez has picked up his victory, been in the playoffs. 
So there are times where it is just a matter of the environment. Now, when you come with a driver like Ty Dillon in, in this situation, we've seen him in many different environments and not eventually pop up a, at, a, at a top level. So it's getting harder and harder to say he keeps deserving that, that opportunity. Because it's not to say it couldn't happen, like you said, Sharon, of, you know, if college racing is the, the match where it does fit. Um, but you're, you do run out of options at some point. All right, Andy, you just put up a topic. Uh, do you want to introduce that and we'll do at least one go around there? Yeah, I think we can probably cover this one fairly quickly, but it looks like it was just announced today that um, Riley Herbs is back in the 98 Xfinity car for Stuart Haas in 2024. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, and this is one of those drivers kind of in the same boat we've seen in the Xfinity series for many years. Um, is not out there winning championships, uh, winning races yet, but has shown right on the verge of being able to. There was rumor that based on sponsorship or whatever, he may go to the Cup Series. I don't think he's necessarily ready, although he's done fairly solid in the starts he's had at Super Speedways anyway. Um, that's one that you I just don't know. Uh, you know, like I said, I've tried to give benefit of the doubt Looked at, really looked for him to, to break out this year and was close to making it into the playoffs, but came up a little short. Um, I think he's good there in the Xfinity Series. If we see him become a regular weekly winner and championship contender, maybe getting a cup opportunity. But there again, time is dwindling. Okay. Um, yeah, I think this is a good move, bringing him back to the Xfinity Series, not the Cup Series. Uh, I think I think Riley is on the verge. If he doesn't do it next year, I'm going to be highly disappointed because we've seen him have some really good runs lately. Um, and I, I've got to wonder if Riley's a little bit too nice sometimes um, and, and – compared to some of the other drivers that are a little more aggressive. Um, and, and I know um, that could be misinterpreted maybe, but I just think that uh, maybe this next season could be Riley's year. Now, granted, I followed Riley all the way back to his K&N Pro Series days, and we've had him on the show several times. And so I have an affinity there, if you will, um, and so I'm not looking at it uh, the way a lot of others are, that he's not talented. I've seen Riley be very talented and very competitive. So I, I do think that uh, there's a good chance that we're going to see Riley competing for a championship next season in the Xfinity Series with Stuart Haas Racing. Keep in mind, I think a lot of the problems that – that uh, Riley has experienced is he's been with a team uh, that has been struggling uh, and not just with the new drivers that are coming in, but with some really good drivers. Uh, Chase Briscoe is a good driver. Uh, Cole Custer's a good driver. Um, I'm trying to think uh, Eric Amarola, Kevin Harvick is a good driver. And although he's had some, some, uh, signs. Kevin Harvick probably is one of the most capable people of getting more out of his car than what the car has to give. So, 
So I, I give Riley a little bit of leeway there, if you will, because I know that the organization as a whole has been struggling. So in addition to the fact that I know I've got an affinity there. So I am excited to see Riley back. I think he will be contending for championships next year. Andy, what are your thoughts? A little bit surprising, actually. I, I kind of got the feeling that he might have some other plans for next year, but at the same time, um, this will be hard to believe now. I guess time gets away, but this will be his fourth full-time season in the 98 Xfinity car for Stuart Haas Racing. Um, I, I think next year has to be a breakout season, and, and maybe it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I know that he has funding and can – probably go anywhere that he wants to in the Xfinity series. So maybe the pressure isn't there. You know, maybe it is. I don't know. But I think just from the perspective of, you know, is this guy ever going to get it or not? I think, I really think he needs to go out and he needs to win races and he needs to contend for a championship. And I, I really think that, you know, next year needs to be, needs to be that year. This would be his fourth full-time season in, in that 98 car. And, um, I see your point somewhat, Sharon, but I am going to disagree from the standpoint of the struggles have mostly been on the cup side, not so much the Xfinity program. Um, you know, I, I look at Cole Custer, who's been able to go out and win races this year, and he's safely in the championship hunt still. So I, I see That's your point. point. I think that I see your point from the standpoint of I, I do think that the Xfinity program has taken – step back maybe from where it once was so I am going to agree with you there but you know Cole came in as a second full-time car this year and he's been able to he's been able to at least win but to your point though Sharon I do think the Xfinity program isn't where it once was back in 2019 won seven races and you know had a breakout season Briscoe won nine races in 2020 Um, but but this year but this year you know I thought Custer was going to go out and win like 10 races and they haven't been able to do that. So I do think that, you know, there is room for improvement as far as the Xfinity program goes, but I do think the program is good. I do think that they have the ability to go win races and I, I would like to see him break out next year. I would like to see him prove me wrong. It's no secret that Mike and I rag on him all the time. I hate that we have to do that, but we do, we do it because, you know, we know that he's in a good car. We know that he's with a good team. And this is this will be his fifth full-time season in that car, um, his fourth full-time season with Stuart Haas Racing. So I'd love to see him go out and win. I'd love to see him go out there and prove me wrong next year. And I'd love to see him go out and prove that he belongs uh, full-time in either the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series. Okay. Um, we're running out of time, so I am going to have to end it there. But, Andy, I, I do agree with a lot of your points as well. Um, so let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Jay, do you want to start us off there? Hi, you follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8, on Twitter and Instagram. And looking forward to the weekend here of Las Vegas. Again, the, the round of – getting ready for this first round kind of sets the tone and we'll see where everything shuffles out. So that's always an interesting aspect to the first round or first race of the round. 
All right. Uh, Andy. CB14 fan on Twitter. As always, it's always fun to be on the show, and I'm um, looking forward to Vegas this weekend. Um, trying to trying to make up as much as I can in those fantasy points. I've been doing better for the last couple of weeks, and I'm uh, hoping that I can keep that trend going. Yes, indeed. I am a fan for racing site on Twitter and fan for racing blog and radio at uh, Facebook as well as our website. Uh, a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate each and every one of you. And to our fan for racing crew here, Jay Huseman and Andy Lasky, I do appreciate you guys. And uh, I, I have a lot of fun uh, with you guys when we're on together. So uh, thanks for being here today. And uh, I am definitely looking forward to the races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. We're going to be there for the ARCA race on Friday night at the Bull Ring, as well as the Xfinity and Cup Series races on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I did get my media pass, so as soon as I can get established, I'm going to see if I can't do a running blog there. And I was thinking as you were talking, Andy, I might see if I can talk with uh, (laughs) uh, Riley while I'm there. I want to get his thoughts. Uh, about coming back and, and his outlook as well. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. And uh, uh, again, uh, I'm, I hope everybody's looking forward to the weekend. And uh, we'll get going with our round of eight here uh, for the Cup in the in the uh, uh, Xfinity Series. And uh, three more races for the ARCA West, (laughs) starting with the race this weekend at the Bullring. So the season is winding down, I'm sad to say. We'll call that a wrap, guys. All right. Enjoy the weekend there, Sharon. Thank you. Have a good weekend, Sharon. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Andy. Enjoy your race weekend, everybody. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.